1: afternoon and welcome to newsbreak talk I'm Genevieve Blanca, and what a week it has been for the country a hard fought for victory for South African students who rallied behind the fees must fall campaign after rolling protests president Jacob Zuma announced a zero percent increase in fees for the 2016 academic year this is the announcement he made after a lengthy consultative process yesterday
2: on the matter at hand we agreed that there will be a zero increase of university fees in 2016. Discussions will continue looking at broader issues than the fees. It was agreed that the vice chancellors will extend the time. For the examinations period to compensate for the time lost
1: that was the announcement that president zuma made but now as the dust settles questions have emerged about the broader impact of the campaign that had gone viral some have referred to it as the country's very own arab spring but not everybody stood in agreement with the cause as i found out Like a key scene from 1976, thousands of students across the demographics converged outside Parliament in Cape Town on Wednesday, demanding a 0% increase in fees for the 2016 academic year. <speaking in> the <language> they wielded placards, linked arms, chanted slogans and sang the national anthem. But chaos erupted. Some protesters breached the gates of Parliament during Finance Minister Insanjana Nene's mini-budget address in an effort to get an audience with President Jacob Zuma. Moments later, shots rang out. Stunt grenades to disperse the students. This added impetus to the cause. Campuses were closed nationally, examinations put on hold, and classes cancelled. On Friday, thousands made their way to the Union buildings in Pretoria, again seeking an audience with the president. Students in other provinces also took to the streets, marching in solidarity. But while students stood their ground and reaped the rewards of their efforts, others were not impressed this educator who did not want to be named was adamant that students ought to pay for their education today they are fighting about the fee structure tomorrow is it that they are going to fight that the minimum criteria is is too high for them to achieve is that what what is going to be the next order of the day she says if government gives into the students demands it would promote a culture of non-payment where children are receiving an education for nothing they do not value what they receive this country is now adopting a a culture of non payment for every avenue of life, and we must move away from that. And yes, there are people who belong to the have not category and cannot afford it, but I believe that there are avenues open to those learners who are high flying learners, and then they can access bursaries, etc., that are available to them. Our country must stop accepting this culture of non payment. Her sentiments were echoed by this university student who was irate about classes being suspended. Some people are being a bit ridiculous got to pay. People are working there and they also need to be get paid, the lecturers and stuff and with our fees they're getting paid. She claims that her friends are equally upset and are not in support of the fees must fall cause, as is this Durban man.
2: People need to pay for something. I, mean, I suppose I'm a little bit biased because I had to pay for it so I kind of expect everybody else, they need to go through the same thing.
1: Some have taken to social networks to express their anger at the actions of the students. One Cape Town user described protesters as idiots who caused traffic jams and was pleased that police used water cannons to disperse the group. Others have labelled them as vandals and have decried the destruction to property. But many have also rallied behind the students. One student posted online how his mother advised him to react if police threw tear gas, saying that his mother was proud of their movement. Others have slammed media for what they call misleading headlines. Parodies, cartoons, videos and memes have been posted all in support of the cause. And for this father, it's a cause close to his heart.
0: Now, I think it's the right thing because I also have a child who is a student at one of the universities and really I'm struggling, I'm really struggling.
1: He did, however, caution students about destructive behaviour, as did this man who also did not want to be named.
0: I think they are doing the right thing, but the way in here they are doing it is not fine to me. South Africa must provide free education like other countries. I believe that in the police of the NC, when everything was done, that
2: was part of it, that people will have free education, especially those that are poor. In other countries are provided education.
1: He says the cost of higher education is spiraling out of control and impacts on families for many years.
2: You go and ask money from the government to fund you at the end of the day. After finishing, you have got to pay back the debts. How long
0: would you take paying this debt before you pay back to your family members that they have been providing you with that
3: money?
1: It's a very real struggle for families. This university employee and her daughter, who have given their full backing to the movement, says she witnesses firsthand the impact of the escalating fees on families every day. There's a lot of parents that go
4: through hardship. Students just drop out because the fees increase tremendous every year everyone should have an opportunity to study and it
1: should be standardized across the country her daughter was passionate in her support for the cause majority of the people I know are for the cause as students it's for us we are going to the consequences of high fees our families are going to the consequences of high fees this is making families suffer it's a personal battle for her with tears in her eyes she says she she was among the fortunate few who received a scholarship to study. I have a scholarship because of my mother is a staff member of a university, but every single day I literally wake up and thank God, I'm not even lying, I seriously wake up every single day and thank God for the free education because if I didn't have this I wouldn't be able to study. I know my mother would have done everything in her power to put me through it but it would have been at her expense. Well, those were some of the comments of members of the public. Uh, they reacting, of course, to the Fees Must Fall campaign that students had gone on for this last week. But we have now, joining us on the line, the spokesperson for the Minister of Higher Education and Training, that's Kai Nkwanyana. A very good afternoon to you, and thank you for your time. Mr Nkwanyana? yes, hello. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us at Newsbreak Talk. Thank you very
5: much and to the
1: listeners. Well, firstly, you know, your your reaction or the department's reaction to the announcement that was made. I know you were part of the consultative process as such. Are you happy with what has come from that process with the 0% increase for 2016?
5: well uh, the department and the minister is quite um, um happy about the outcomes the president's announcement yesterday and uh, obviously we we were part of the process right from the first engagement with uh, the vice chancellor in, in in Cape Town where we pushed them away from the double-digit increase proposal, which sparked the whole uh, protest across the country, and we moved them to anything lesser than 6% national inflation rate. They accepted that after lengthy engagements. So they also wanted guarantee from the state that if they go down, uh, for instance, to anything below inflation, that would represent a financial shortfall on their part as universities, a combined 1.3 billion that we had to commit. We did that, uh, and uh, there were some student representatives there who agreed to this. Unfortunately, when uh, the proposal was brought back to students to say, now go and negotiate anything from zero to six, uh, which is now a framework, so they rejected that. They they, 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 they continued with the uh, no fee, which we accepted and understood. And we had to go to the president because a minister cannot uh, uh, take such a decision that has major, major financial implications in mm-hmm. the national discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond his allocated budget uh behind us there's been uh, that engagement with the to say that let, let the president uh hear and listen and take a decision on this and um that's why the meeting of yesterday meeting the all the student yes. leaders and the uh, vice and the decision was taken by the president so we're quite happy because this actually now uh, uh, brings normality to the to
3: the
5: higher education sector, Mr. Nkonyana.
1: If I could come in with a question here, you know, just looking at uh, the the response that has come through from the president when he made the announcement, he said there was a whole host of other issues that now needs to be discussed. Are you looking at a longer term solution because this there's a zero percent increment for 2016, but what happens in 2017 or 18 or, or after that?
5: Well, we you 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 will know that the president uh, earlier this month appointed uh, a task team, uh, which is composed of uh, the representative from our department, vice chancellors, the student leaders, and the presidency, which is looking at what we call the short-term measures of. Higher education, the cost of higher education. But secondly, the minister is, is to appoint a ministerial task team also, which should work parallel. Because the president's team will, will, will report next month, end of November. The minister's task team that is looking at overhauling the whole fee regime in all of our universities and introduce a new fee dispensation in the country uh, is going to be established, uh, which uh, somewhere next year should be able to report back so that its recommendation will kick in in 2017. The second issue is around the free education for the deserving and poor. Uh, which the minister in 2012 commissioned a report uh, through the working group. It reported in 2013 on the model to implement the free education. And unfortunately, uh, uh, it was sent to the cabinet, it was sent to the Treasury. The Treasury costed the implementation of free education and at that time, and their focus was that in the next five years or so, the fiscal cannot able to carry that particular uh, 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 new introduction of yes. fee-free of free education, so mm-hmm. we are now going to look at that and say where do we get money? For instance, in 2013, uh, projection was that annually the state will need about 73 billion for one year mm-hmm. uh, to implement fee-free free education, with escalation as the as other years continue, inflation and so on. You know, an interesting really point like on that. Thing.
1: An interesting point in that is, you know, we've been looking at research done by the Institute of Race Relations, and they were saying that if if uh, the current budget was rearranged with priority given to education, that money would easily be made up in within a year.
5: Well, uh, I, 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 I've never seen their calculations. Uh, it's true that uh, some of the issues that. Uh, 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 in the government that have to be looked at is the issue of reprioritization. For instance, uh, at that time in 2013, the Treasury was saying that in order to implement a free uh, free education uh, in the fiscal that we had, it will mean that we have to cut down on some of the so- so- social grants. We have to cut down on the targets on the RDP houses for the poor. All of that. For so the issue was that yes. the cabinet is the cabinet willing to go that route, and uh, and and uh, unfortunately at that time it was it was not uh, acceptable to How do you go to people and say you are not going to get your child support grant? We are going to prioritise education. All of those issues. So it's a catch-22 situation. So it's well, a matter that is a is government-wide that has to be driven at an executive level, especially driven by the president to say, we think that all these ministries must cut down on on these areas. Let's make sure that we redirect money to free education to go to education, an hyper-priority of government. So that's the discussion now that we're going
1: to ask. Well, well, just my final question for you, because we have limited time with you this afternoon, you know uh, your minister, Bladen Zamande had made some very, very controversial comments during this time Uh, lots of students were very angry with some of the comments that he's made, more more notably the students must fall comments that he had made. You know, is he willing uh, has he been able to come forward or is he willing to come forward, apologize to students perhaps what has been his position after those comments were made and students reacted badly to it
5: well you see the the, 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 the PNCA was malicious uh, and i commented that uh, uh, on 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 year 24 a um, uh, uh, day before yesterday that 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 thing he was it, Unfortunately, they even cut that clip. Only, in know what he was saying. He was—they were cracking a joke with uh, the student leaders who were. I was chairing that press conference in Cape Town, so one of the students, the national leader, was was, was teasing him on that uh, the the fees must fall, uh, may not may not even accept. Your, or he himself as a student will go out and make sure that uh, the proposal of of inflation-related uh, increase does not material, they, they will speak to zero, no fee increment. So, but they were laughing and he said that, you know what, if that's what they're saying, I'm also going to open my own movement and face my phone and everybody was laughing, including all the journalists that were in the house. The guy was a cameraman in the first place. We don't know why he was reporting those jokes and uh, it, it wasn't just it, it, it had nothing to do with the public. So, he, 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 he. everybody knows that it didn't mean that he was it was a, a, a two people joking on the sidelines of the press. So now to, to, to make it a national matter even to a point of apologizing is in question because he didn't say it it was a joke and it was not meant to to be taken seriously. He's committed to everything that has happened including, as I'm saying, that he's part of the, the person who loved it, the president on the zero-no-fee issue. So yes. the, the issue of apology and so on does not arise because he, he it didn't It was a joke
1: it. you're saying. It was a private joke within that particular press conference Mr. Inquaniana, Inquaniana, we understand that we have to lose you at this point in time but we hope to be able to engage with you further uh, on another platform Okay, thank you very much. Well, that was the spokesperson for the Minister of Higher Education and Training, Kaya Inquanyana, that was joining us for the few minutes trying to clear up some of the issues that had come through, saying, of course, that the students must fall comment that the minister had made was a joke. Well, what isn't a joke this afternoon is the protests that the students had had arranged and had gone through successfully, the decision that had come through from Parliament, and we're going to be discussing that in detail right after. To this so stay tuned news break lotus fm powered by sabc news so if you just tuned in you're listening to Newsbreak talk with me genevieve lanka and joining me in studio this afternoon is dr rama naidu from uh, the director of the democracy development program a very good afternoon to you thank you for being here
2: good afternoon to your listeners
1: And also joining me in studio this afternoon is Dr. Lubna Nadvish. Now she's an academic who has rallied with students during the last few days and we're going to be hearing more from her position so thank you very much for coming through and for joining us.
4: Thank you very much good afternoon to everyone.
1: Well let's just begin firstly with Dr. Lubna Nadvi uh, you know because of your involvement really with the students and we've seen during this last week that there were many many students that had come through uh, you know uh, Along with academics, we had the DUT Vice Chancellor, for example, Ahmed Bawa, who had joined the protests. What was it about this particular movement that got academics to say we want to be part of it?
4: Well, I was following what was going on um, at this university from last week, and uh, they had started protesting against their ten. 0.5% whatever it was increased. And so really that movement, um, you know, we were all following it because it was something that um, students and academics were really uh, keen and interested in. Uh, and the fact that, you know, the with students, uh, basically they stuck to their principle and their position. And it was a really powerful way of taking on the university management. And anyone who was in the academic fraternity, you know, was really interested in the issues. And then of course, when the call was made for a national day of action in solidarity with, because it initially started as WITS fees must fall and then it became fees must fall so it became a national movement and effectively as a UKZN academic and as a former student at UKZN, you know it was something that I could identify with. Um, the first day that our students started, uh, especially at Howard College, I basically went down there and I was the first academic actually that uh, was there uh, and then slowly we tried to get our colleagues to join us. but. Still it was a very uh, small number of academics that did join the protests. Eventually,
1: does that come from a position of fear? And I, I'm going to bring in Dr. Ramanado on this point uh, in, in just a little while. But did it come from a position of fear? Because, in in all fairness, the protests at UKZN uh, over the past year, for example, have not exactly been, you know, very uh, much like this. It's been quite difficult. We've seen violence. Uh, two weeks ago, we had uh, Lesiba Shishoka, who was here, talking about the violence on campus, did it come from that position of fear?
4: I think so. I think that uh, many academics were unsure of what position to take uh, largely because of uh, some of the physical damage that had been done to some of the university infrastructure in past uh, protest action by the students. So uh, you know I think that it was also possibly because maybe they didn't take the time to engage students. You know Uh, we had to actually go down there and listen to them and once you did that and you were amongst them and you could understand where they were coming from Mm -hmm. then that fear went away. So a few of us actually took that step Mm -hmm. and and, and so we could understand really what the issues were
1: well we are taking calls this afternoon 089 is the number to dial if you'd like to give your views a voice but Dr. Raman this was an extremely high energy movement by students what was your initial reaction when you saw firstly the youth that everyone called apathetic joining together with such gusto under a, an umbrella that was not political in any way
2: well, t- it was a great day for me because <laughs> I think it just it just showed our idea of apathy
1: mm-hmm.
2: is not really apathy. It's uh, how insurgents place their energy and the high energy of this movement and youth across the country joining on something as big as this was for me a yay for democracy. Students could mobilize around something important and the fact that it was fairly well organized across the country and it was a mixed group. it's a different kind of, of thing this time around. It was better organized, social media was there they had a clear plan of action it might have got delayed along the way but the notion of a virus and fees must fall captured the imagination of people everywhere Mm -hmm. and and my belief is that if people citizens are talking about it engaged in it that's a great start to it up to now the thing has always been the situation of them and us these people out there and we out here
1: and we heard some of that within the feature that we that I had done as well. You know, talking uh, about how distant some people can be from the plight of people within their own vicinity—that that they could be such nearness but such distance in opinions as well.
2: Yeah, I think the fear for me is when the, the your spokespersons mentioned that another presidential task team will be set up, mm-hmm. and and the question would be: Is to what extent will st- the same student population? Uh, be a part of that process, setting up what happens with the Stars team. Otherwise, it becomes another long drawn-out thing with the students not being involved, and back to square one again.
1: One of the things that you'd mentioned that I picked up on, you know, uh, on Wednesday, especially when we were watching the images uh, during the finance uh, midterm budget speech, was the diversity of the group itself. You know, whenever you think protests, whenever we've seen protests, has always been a particular racial group. Here we had diversity. You could see white students along with black students and colored students, you know, and Indian students all under that particular banner or under that cause, or in that cause. So, we, you know, how how powerful are images like that, especially when we talk about the South African context?
2: Yeah, I think it's absolutely important. The fact that it happened at this time is actually a historic day for South Africa, mm-hmm. because it's, the campuses have been divided along these lines, along many many lines, and I think the students have been exposed to the power of what they can do
3: mm-hmm.
2: to get the president to say stop the increase. I agree. There's lots more work to get done. But the notion of just, wow, we do have some power, we can do something. The thing for me is now to what extent that they can carry on their forward thinking strategically as to how they start to engage authorities, engage the government about the, the, the deeper issues concerning education in general.
1: Dr. Nadvi, did there come a point really in this uh, week where you thought the students have lost the plot now? You know, when we look at union buildings, for example, and what had happened there, uh, when we uh, we saw the destruction of uh, property there, did you, as an academic supporting this, say, you know what? I can't support this anymore. What were your thoughts?
4: Well, it was a very principled uh, movement, you know, for a for a long time. And basically, I think what happened uh, yesterday was that there were some um, criminal elements that had actually infiltrated the space. And many people have been talking about this that actually thugs had kind of got into the space and they were trying to create chaos. You know, there have been many perspectives that have come across that actually students got angry and upset. We're waiting for the president to come down and address them and they just got impatient. But actually a lot of people have said that these were actually people who had been sent deliberately to disrupt the protest and to cause chaos. And I think that's a perspective that uh, is quite valid.
1: Uh, Dr. Rama, if you'd like to come in on that point in particular because you know when we talk about protests, there's always a concern that while while you're exercising your democratic right to protest that there's always a concern about looting, about violence, uh, about the scenes that we saw really yesterday and where you lose sympathy for your cause based on that. Was there a point where you were concerned as well about what was happening especially at uh, union buildings?
2: Absolutely, I think Libna is absolutely right. The, at some at some point, students realized, one, it was much bigger than they thought mm-hmm. and the anger of other people as spotting an opportunity to vent that anger came out in that space. And this, even at university, the same thing happens there. You know, you might have a good idea, mm-hmm. but the notion that at some point it shifts into another dimension and once that happens and lives are threatened then you actually alienate those people who even support your cause. And many students on Twitter were saying, Vitsis are out, we're going home, this is not what we wanted. Yes. And lots of them were saying that. So there was something happening there. And I think for the students, it's about going back and also seeing on their side how they organize themselves so this doesn't happen in future. Because mm-hmm. what they did, very interestingly, they kicked all the political parties out.
1: And that's the point that I want you to go to next, is that you know th- th- there was this whole thrust of it being a leaderless campaign or a leaderless movement they did not want any organization to own it uh, you know that in itself when we talk about elections coming up next year for example whenever we talk about protests at, at a campus we talk about political infiltration parties were trying to own this one
2: obviously, obviously this was what was happening mm-hmm. uh, and they all got kicked out at the same thing and um, they tied the ANC t-shirts to the DA t-shirts and the EFF and said please get out we don't want you So it's also for me a sense of of coming of age, Mm -hmm. of saying actually we're not as stupid as you think we are. We do know what you guys plans and we want to be in charge of this. Because in fact they rejected their own student leadership Mm -hmm. who were negotiating. So something else was happening here, a shift about what I call mass mobilizing action. The question for me is to what extent this awareness of that power now starts to stabilize. For example at Wits, the SRC president, this amazing young lady, I think... uh, yeah? as well yes. i mean the way uh, the way she led that group mm-hmm. almost in a servant leadership kind of role but staying there for the entire duration of the time captured people's imaginations these are different kinds of leaders from the ones that were always linked to political structures Who had agendas
1: you know does it show then you you said a coming of age but does it show a a level of maturity in political thinking as well being able to make a decision and say well if none of these parties are able to represent me adequately i'll represent myself Uh, absolutely Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Nadvi, what was the perceptions on uh, you know when you were speaking to students uh, concerning this because they they really did want to be very independent.
4: Oh, absolutely! It was a student-led lo- movement, and they made it very clear to these political structures or reps from the political groups that look, don't bring your party political rhetoric here. Effectively, we are all students here, and we are all equal, and uh, there won't be any uh, one party that will be taking this on. So, no opportunity for you know, uh, trying to Policy. push a. Uh, yeah, politicking at all.
1: Well, we're going to go to the lines. and I was just going to have this one if you just tuned in. You're listening to Newsbreak Talk with me, Genevieve Lanka. Selvan's on the line. Good afternoon, Selvan.
0: Uh, good afternoon to you, Genevieve. Good afternoon to all. It saddens me to think that uh, the very manner in which the strikes have taken place, the future leaders of the country, uh, I think Dr. Nadvi brought it out very nicely. I still suspect there are elements in our society who get into the student scenario And they do this. Was it necessary for them to go and pull out students from the examination room? Was it necessary for them to loot? I mean, if they want free education, taxpayers are fund it. Should they not respect the taxpayers? Should they not respect that? When I I drove down my road yesterday, all the bins were turned upside down. So I'm suggesting that our government passes a law whereby the fine infiltrators amongst the students, who we suspect have been there to create chaos, must be punished very, very severely. Because at the end of the day, why is a student unrest taking place this part of the year during exam time? Some of them are not prepared for the exams, so they urge others to cause a strike. Thank you so much. But Dr. Nadli said it well.
6: Thank you.
1: Well, interesting points there, Salvan. Thank you very much for your time. Let's speak to Salim. Salim, good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon. I think, you know, education is very important. Mm -hmm. It helps the country. It helps people. It helps the mind. And, you know, kind of make people better and more productive. However, everything in the world cannot be free. We want free electricity. We want free housing. We want free education. People need to learn to work. If they need something for free, they can be subsidized. They can study during the day, work in a weekend or in an evening. Like the other countries are doing, we need to start getting. Salim, our if
1: pe- I can come in with a question here, you know, if we look at our Bill of Rights, it says that uh, education, you know, is a right that every person has, and that it should be accessible. Attatchery education needs to be made progressively more accessible. If we look at the increases over the past few years, it's become more and more inaccessible to people. Can you understand the position that they're coming from?
6: Yes, indeed i believe education is very expensive but it must be it is you know it must be made accessible i believe that people must also play the role where they need to work Uh, we are becoming a country of lazy people we want everything for nothing and we're not prepared to work we need to start grinding the axe as well to make sure that we also contribute that we play a part in building the country we don't want to only take from the country we need to also put something to the country let's work Those people that are getting subsidized and getting education that's paid for must go back after they finish the education and start paying back what they give so other people can get educated. We cannot have everything free. I think the idea and the concept of free, free, free is wrong. And the country, who's going to pay end of the day? This country has its standards bankrupt. The ANC is hypocritical, they're the leading uh, ruling party in the country. they are saying they sympathize with the student, but they're the ones that are not giving the money.
1: But, so, you know, I have to say, Salimi, if, if we looking at that position, and Dr. Ramanaidu is here, and I'm going to put this question through to him. If if people are so upset with the ruling party, you have the right, you have the the opportunity to be able to vote and make a decision to change that. So, you know, wh- why is it that we have people who complain about it, but then are you exercising your rights in the same way?
6: Yes, in, yes. You see, you must remember it's a majority that counts. Uh, a person can have a different view, but if the mo- if the if the general masses vote, the ma- majority will count. No matter what one can say, is what the people have decided. If they wanted the ruling party, they wanted the ruling party. But the country must manage. Our finances are not managed properly. There's corruption. There's theft. There's everything that's going on here. The excessive expenditure. We need to re- go back and run and govern the country in a more like, nee, nee.
1: Well, Salim, uh, thank you for your comments. I'm going to have to leave it there with you, and we're going to move on to our next caller. We have Solly from Cape Town who has called us. Solly, good afternoon.
7: Hi, good afternoon, Genevieve. Thanks for a great program again and your honorable guests. Thank <coughs> you. Gene, uh, What has happened now, this is the tipping point. Every country and every party in their life take it for granted that we're untouchable. And this is the tipping point that's telling the government the youth of today are not asleep. They are the next voters. They are the next leaders. They did not need leadership. This was all thriving all over the country, and they've realized it. But to gain free education is very possible. The government can throw billions at SAA, billions at uh, all the other parastatals. None of those people account for all the losses. If you want free education, it's available. I salute the students for what they've done, but we don't realize it. This is the tipping point of real change in the country. Vladim Ramandi, as a uh, minister, has been absolutely useless. He's been reactive, never proactive. Coming from a communist background, it's really sad he has done nothing for us. And they must realize that these people are not asleep. And I salute the students for what they're doing. They should were you be concerned, more, more controlled.
1: W- were you concerned about the damage and, and the violence that erupted? Of uh, course, of yes. course,
7: we cannot accept that. We hmm. can never accept that. That's why I tell the students they have to control the people that do that. Hmm. But you will also agree. You were there. Everybody was there. It was a minority doing that and they should control it. We don't need it. The police should be more controlled. But at the end of the day, this is the tipping point of change in our country for the better.
1: Well, Sally, thank you very much for your comments. A tipping point for change in our country is what he says. Let's hear what Ace from Pinetown has to say. Ace, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ace. No, it's
8: Genevieve. It's Sinesh.
1: It's Sinesh. Sinesh from Pinetown. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for calling us. You can go ahead.
8: Okay, I think uh, year on year this uh, protest is going to continue. Zero percent um, uh, increase or no increase is not the answer. I think uh, you know if we do the maths carefully in terms of the base fees where it started off maybe five to ten years back versus the forward projection, the amount of money that's pushed into the parastatals like SAA Eskom and talcom and so on uh, the fee structure right now should be reviewed at least to thirty to forty percent below to what it is, so I'm saying it should be a thirty to forty percent decrease, and this would avoid any a kind of um, protests re- relating to fees for the next at least five years. So, you know, uh, government, the universities, lecturers who are smart people themselves, they need to do these projections. They need to be proactive. What the president has done at this stage is being reactive. Announcing a 0% uh, increase or, or the fees will not increase, uh, it just doesn't make sense. That is just like, you know, getting away easily. But it needs to be done mathematically and a forward Plan needs to be put in place to try and avert these kind of situations at least for the next five to Sinesh, ten years.
1: Do, Sinesh, do you think this was an actual victory, you know, for students? So the the hashtag was fees must fall. In this case, did it really fall? It, it was no, zero it did percent did not increase. Fall. It
8: mm-hmm. did not fall. Uh, so they are being fooled, and I hope some smart student or representative council is listening, and they need to take this on again because zero percent is not enough.
1: Well, thank you for your comments there, Sinesh, from Pantan. We now have Harry, who's called us. Harry, good afternoon. Uh,
3: good afternoon, madam.
1: Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, Harry.
3: Yes, madam. Uh, talking about the student protests, madam. Right. Uh, nobody tolerates uh, violent protests and destroying yes. infrastructures and all those things, right? But the thing is this. This government is so corrupt. Uh, the only language they can understand. There's no peaceful uh, protest. They'll understand. There's only language. They'll understand. A violent protest and destroying things. Because why? Uh, they from uh, the uh, the education department, right? They got one corrupt lady, Helen Konyana, too. From the edu- uh, health department, she's in education now, right? And she was corrupt there. We bought something for so, what? You know,
1: Harry, Harry, right? Do you not think that you know that negotiating, sitting across the table, being able to discuss, can also make an impact? You know, it, does it always need to come down to a violent protest? Uh,
3: that, I don't think that will work with this government because this government is too corrupt. Thirty billion rand going in the court, in the pocket and everything in every government department. If that money was available, then. Usually I want children should get free education too. Thirty
1: billion is less than money. That is well, Harry. I'm going to leave it there with you. Thank you very much for your comments. We do appreciate it. And the issue of corruption has come up in mismanagement of funds. It has. It has come up quite a bit. I'm going to put that question through to our guest that's joining us. But if you'd like to give your views a voice this afternoon, zero eight nine three one zero eight seven eight nine. Let's begin with Dr. Ramanaidu because I think these questions and comments really speak to you and and what you've been working with for the past few years. Let's take Salim's comments uh, for example. A a culture of non-payment was what the person in my feature had said. He somewhat echoed the same sentiments.
2: I think the issue of non-payment is is one that's uh, fraught with a, a whole lot of misunderstandings, misinformation, disinformation. I think one of the things we have to do in this country is make sure we have some hard data. To understand what this is about, mm-hmm. this is not about entitlement. If you look at the the, the bigger picture behind it and what people pay in terms of fees, with their hostel accommodation and the fact that they take a student loan which they must pay back, many of them are not able to work in that period of time. They cannot pay back those fees, and so they're stuck with this loan at interest for basically the best part of their lives. Mm-hmm. So, yes. if people just, uh, you know, instead of making these big broad statements, but to see know, what's behind it.
1: L- let's look at this issue of entitlement because really if we look at our Constitution uh, and if we look at our Bill of Rights, South Africans are entitled to education there. Is it such a crime then to ask for it and, and, and at a reasonable price then?
2: No, I mean the reality is and I think the spokesperson spoke about in 2012 a study was commissioned and the findings were, and you, know, you would probably know about, this, said that this was feasible. And the question is, when they say the Treasury can't find money, that's the lamest excuse I could ever imagine, because yes. they find money for everything else except what we needed for.
1: I, I read uh, quite an interesting, uh, you know, post on on Facebook, and, and the information, of course, needs to be verified. But this person had cleverly put down five of the biggest scandals that we had in the country, from the arms deal to in Kandla and uh, you know, looked at the cu- uh, amount of money that was spent there over that period, and they said, after doing their calculations, that government would have been able to have. Funded the full degree for 10 million South Africans with the amount of money that was wasted uh, during that time and or or, or was mismanaged during that time. I mean, that's what we're looking at. So you're saying there really is money? Of
2: course, there's money. Is no no question of that. It's it's the will to want to do it, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it's it's as simple as that. Uh, What do we prioritise in this country? And education has to be. One of our single biggest priorities, and it does not start just with higher education; the entire system is rotten. And so, the fear of saying if we if we tackle this and open up this big can of worms, it has to be a huge national dialogue that relooks at everything about education, because a lot of people in this country, the majority, are disadvantaged from the time they enter grade R. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a
2: battle all the way through.
1: Which is why most people, before they even start having children, in some cases, start saving for their education.
2: Absolutely right.
1: Well, you know, here's an interesting point that comes through. Before we go to Dr. Lubna Nadvi, this was from Stats uh, SA, and we're looking at seven countries that had, over the past five years, student protests, uh, all protesting the increasing cost of higher education. We, it was virtually all of Europe. Well, we're looking at more countries than we're looking at virtually all of Europe, Australia, Canada, Chile, China, UK, and the USA all have had protests if we're looking at the proposed fee increases if they had gone through for 2016 this is what some of the university fees would have been at the northwest university in 2015 it was 40750 2016 it would have gone up to 61125 the university of pretoria in 2015 30560 it would have escalated to 45840 we're looking at uj in in 2015 the fees were 32,870 by 2016 it would have gone up to 49,305 and we're looking at UCT 2015 it was 46,000 and for 2016 it would have been 69,000 Dr Lubna Nadvi looking at comments that came through especially if we're looking at salim's comments you know about the fact that students need to work they need to pay even if it's the part time this is something that has to be done hearing the fee increments what do you say about it
4: well it's exorbitant amounts of uh, money that have to be paid and uh, i agree with the students that you know their parents really can't afford it so the issue of um, you know i think that one has to make an investment in education and one has to find a way and someone talked about the maths of it so uh, it's an issue really of working out how you actually invest in education i mean if you can find the money for uh, you know expenditure on big uh, sporting events and you know, bailing out parastatals and you know, those kinds of things. Uh, education is a key area of investment and this government actually has to make sure that it does do that. Also, our universities are now being run as corporates, as businesses. You cannot run a university as a business. This is one of the challenges we've had as academics as well. Uh, the government subsidies has been radically reduced over a period of time and so yes. now they're saying to us as universities you have to find third stream income you have to find money from the private sector and so on. And so, ultimately, if our constitution guarantees the right of every South African to have an education, the government actually has to find a way to to find the money and increase the subsidies what to universities. What
1: about the of universities? Because one of the issues that was raised during these protests was outsourcing. And, uh, you know, I, I had a comment in this week where someone had said, listen, academics go on study breaks and they want to get funding and bursaries for their own personal studies. And then in the meantime, you need to... To get someone to fill in their shoes, and you have a part-time person. And so, there's mismanagement of money and funding within a university as well that contributes to the problem.
4: Well, I think that each university has a particular way of managing, uh, you know, the way it runs its uh, um, university. So, I think ultimately, the the issue is that st- staff do go on research leave. Uh, the assumption is that when you produce research, uh, there, there will be obviously some kind of reward from that, you know. And the government does reward researchers for uh, for production of their research work but ultimately within a university space, uh, the administration actually has to look at ways in which it can manage uh, you know, its internal affairs much better mm-hmm. uh, and agreed that uh, perhaps if certain universities don't actually manage the way that they spend, you know, whether it's kind of their discretionary budgets for events or whatever it may be um, our university, UKZN, has actually attempted to set up a fund where staff and students and uh, well the public can actually contribute to to trying to assist those students who uh, are battling to pay fees so there are efforts that are being made but ultimately this actually has to have a holistic solution uh, and the way and it in has which has
1: to be multiple levels
4: absolutely
1: well we're going to go back to the lines now before we come through and you know and i was never enough to discuss issues like this we're going to try to continue this conversation at a later stage but let's just go to the lines we have anonymous who's called us through good mm-hmm. afternoon
9: Good afternoon. I'd like to make a comment, and I disagree with most of the people. While I agree that the Constitution guarantees the right to education, but I think tertiary education is a totally different matter. For the simple reason, what these students want is basically a, set of, a, a degree of entitlement. What you must understand that is, a lot of us, I'm educated, I'm a postgraduate, I'm a specialist, and my wife is also a specialist, but we never had to easy. Our parents made great, great sacrifices. For us to be there, and similarly, they want the students to study. They have to go and start making great sacrifices. That's the first thing. The second thing is you do have other institutions like Unisa where the fees are much reduced. I mean, I'd love to drive a Ferrari, but I can't afford a Ferrari. I'm not going to make the government make it a government problem. And you can't keep on blaming a party. Japan never blamed the atom bomb. Within 20 years, they sorted the economy out because you've got a useless government. Look at Germany; they were bombed out. And they thought to the country out. So, similarly, the students cannot have this thing. If you cannot afford education, then what you do, you study a plumbing course, you study through the FET colleges, which are free, you improve yourself, you save your money, and then you go. Now, the other thing is you must understand universities have got billions in budget. They've got a business to run. If you're not going to give them an increase, now, the very same students who will say zero free increase, but when they go out into the working sector, they will demand uh, wages. A wage increase. They won't say zero increase, and then they'll start toy trading. To, 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 to. So, what I'm trying to say to you: these are educated people. You can't say the barbaric. You can't say the illiterate. These very people here must really understand that the university is a business. That you can't. I mean, the university will always start for 80 percent increase. How are they going to the budget it? It's very unfortunate. You have the entitled to education, and then all of a sudden, you give them free education. They start failing. So, the first thing they want after free education, they want uh, maybe an iPad. They want etc. And when they fail, they will start destroying property the way they did in university. And it's tell for everybody to be given a so second So
1: So, Anonymous, let me understand. In essence, you're saying if you can't afford to have a higher education, you should not have it.
9: The shortage of farmers in this country. The shortage education country. The FT colleges are free. Then you're going to do it here. Simple as that. You save up your money, then later on, you give the aspirations. Like, for example, you see a lot of people in medical schools they were physiotherapists, they had nurses, et cetera. They couldn't afford to get into medical school. They didn't have the mark. They matured themselves. Now they're age of 28, 50, they're moving on. But they never blame the government. They never blamed anybody else. So in fact, when our age, we were given purple, uh, water cannon and purple dye, with, together with teal gas. In fact, I think the police are very, very mild with them. Well, anonymous, uh,
1: anonymous, I'm going to leave it there with you. I'm going to put your comments through to Dr. Raman do, who's been listening here. Uh, but let's speak to Sheila first. Sheila, good afternoon. <laughs>
10: Good afternoon. Um, I believe uh, um, yesterday was a day of uh, change for South Africa uh, for transformation um, from government um, because, uh, you know, I was part of the student movement, um, the SaSO and the BCP, and we uh, uh, brought change uh, in so many different ways to this country. And the 1976 uh, issue really brought change to this country. And I believe what happened yesterday, it was very well organized, uh, even though there were some problems. But it were not, uh, I believe it was not the students because I saw uh, the tapes, the videos. There were some students that were like criminal elements that were creating a problem. And it wasn't the students because the students uh, called themselves aside and said they want no violence. And uh, it's only students who are future leaders that can bring change and transformation in this country. That is what everybody needs to realize. And I think uh, it it's, uh, it's put now the government into a situation to put on their thinking caps. They have lost seven hundred billion to corruption in the last twenty one years, and they have the finances uh, uh, to not allow for any increases in the two thousand and sixteen. Uh, financial here. And of course, they have to look at other issues of uh, how they're going to fund in the future. At, uh, you know, free education at least the first degree or first diploma should be given free and uh, later when the students um, uh, are able to stand on their feet, they can uh, study further. And I think these are issues that needs to be addressed and I hope they do it successfully.
1: Well, Sheila, thank you very much for your comments. Uh, we appreciate it. Now, you know, we're going to go, t- I'm going to go straight to Dr. Ramanidu on this one. The the anonymous caller that we had, uh, your thoughts on it?
2: I think the notion of, of, of this uh, free education and not wanting, and not getting it, and working your way, I, I wouldn't like to throw everything if, if it out. I think there's a space for us to start talking seriously about that because there's something about government on the one side is being responsible for everything, but there's an equal responsibility from citizens. Yes. And I, I just, I think the point I want to make is in this country, there's very much the culture of they those people out there and us like it's a group of people that we don't know that we don't interact with we don't care about until it affects us directly mm-hmm. and what's happened in this case is that notion of this day are getting closer and closer to people to get it to become uncomfortable and that's exactly the space where we need to say what are we not seeing and aware of in this country that forces us to into a situation where i talk to these people to understand the context Whilst i agree People might have suffered for their for the causes, for their studies and everything yes. else. The contexts are very, very different and we have to accept that.
1: Because one of the previous uh, comments that had come through on the program as well through the feature was that, listen, if I had to pay for it, then you have to pay for it yeah. too.
2: It, to me, it's a question of, of, of simply saying, uh, uh, of, of entrenching that notion of these people out there. And, and not really wanting to engage and the whole notion of democracy is engaging each other critically about important and uncomfortable questions mm-hmm. but where has this come from and I think we forget that the history has so marked us in terms of where we've come from mm-hmm. that we seem to think that suddenly 20 years later all of that must disappear and we're all equal now and, I'm, and I must tell you this is this this is not true and the only way we will debunk this myth is to start talking to each other seriously about finding out what's your real story. What, what did you go through to come to this place? I think it's the sharing of the stories that we begin to connect as human beings, as citizens. And this is what happened in this protest. Students and, joined yes. across these lines and said, hang on a sec. There's something here that's happening. My only hope is that it doesn't just fizzle out now. Now they have to sit back and do the work.
1: That's, that's my, my final question to you in wrapping up. Uh, we're going to, of course, wrap up with Dr. Lubna Nadvi in a moment. But, you know, yes, you've had this, this week showing the power of the people, really. Uh, democracy in action and all of those wonderful terms. But how do you continue that in a constructive way?
2: Well, I think the point is that, uh, that because this was fairly well organized, m- my sense is that with some of the leaders emerging from this leaderless group, there'll be some sense of taking it forward. Most certainly DDP as an organization will be looking to see how we can support people in terms of the new leadership role. Mm -hmm. And it's not a matter of telling them what to do, but giving them some idea of process and what are the possible actions they can take to sustain this movement, so it does not just become a a day, a national that happened and now we we do it again next year in the Mm -hmm. same way. Something must shift.
1: Well, well, that's exactly the question that I'm actually putting through to Dr. Libna Nadvi here, because what happens next year? Uh, how, you know, is this going to be another protest followed by another protest? How can we ensure that from this point on the dialogue
4: continues? Well, I think that uh, one has to look at it in terms of uh, a long-term solution because what we saw um, at the moment was basically the president announcing that there's a zero percent increase, uh, and that uh, you know fees will basically remain the same. But they are already exceptionally high at the moment, so it's not as if it's going to necessarily become easier for uh, parents and students to to pay these fees yeah. next year. The point, though, is that we have to look at it in terms of uh, a long-term solution. I like the idea. I think. A a lot of people have been talking about this notion of the first qualification or degree actually being free and if you want to pursue postgrad education whether it's an honors master's and phd then you basically should pay but a basic education or basic degree allows you actually to enter the the marketplace you know the sort of working uh, arena mm-hmm. and then be able to afford an income so ultimately the solution has to be long term i've heard over the week uh, many people say well you can't actually uh, not have fees increases because it has other consequences in other words uh, retrenchment of staff and uh, cuts uh, in other areas and I'm thinking to myself our priorities are actually wrong why must it be that uh, you know you've got to look at it from that perspective why can you not actually retain academic staff uh, jobs and uh, make sure there's no cuts uh, and uh, make sure that uh, uh, you know uh, the fees are affordable so I think it's about how we're looking at it in terms of the bigger picture and the long term If we can find money for other things that really are not uh, investing in the youth of our future, you know, we we do manage to find money for other things. The question is, where are our priorities? And I think in the last 20-plus years, we've actually shown that effectively, the ruling party has got to a point where it's it's really just concerned about uh, trying to keep its power uh, and, and to, you know, and it keeps us sort of all, uh, a large majority of South Africans uh, sort of within this idea of uh, this romancing of the revolution. Mm-hmm. The revolution ended a long time ago and now it's real bread and butter issues. So, uh, you know, people are basically saying that, look, it's no longer about the ANC. It's about South Africans now. And whether it's in the education sphere or it's in any other sphere health housing this is a a situation we have to look at
1: in in essence a wake up call
4: for totally totally I mean it took the youth uh, to do this you know although the the miners have been uh, taking this on we had Marikana not too long ago we had uh, farm workers take it on we've had other you know working classes taking on but it took the youth and their absolute insistence that our future is what matters and so we really have to salute them for what what they've done
1: well. Thank you to my guests, Dr. Lutna Nadvi and Dr. Ramanadu, for being here. And that's where we have to leave the program this afternoon. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We are broadcasting live from the UK ZN School of Business, talking to Eskom and a range of experts on energy diversity in South Africa. So you don't want to miss that. Until then, we have the news with Tracy Vilaydam coming up next. And you can stay tuned to Lotus FM and be entertained for the rest of the weekend.